I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Billboard Chartbeat Podcast, Gary Trust Billboard's co-director of charts. And hey guys, it's Trevor Anderson, a chart manager here at Billboard. Here in New York, and uh, just last week, if you listened, a really fun episode with uh, Matt Sheeran, Ed Sheeran's brother, a musician, a composer, a producer in his own right. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I like talking to family members of, of artists. I feel like you get a whole different, I feel like you get the real perspective of what a person is like that you wouldn't get from anyone else. Yeah, there's, there's like a there's a genuine kind of sense there, especially because they've known this person, you know, I mean, for majority of their life, not as somebody famous, not necessarily as even someone trying to become famous. Um, and, you know, you catch them in, in all sorts of moments in their most vulnerable and, you know, just just open, spontaneous moments and their highs and their lows. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously spending that much time around somebody, you get a, a whole different sense and appreciation and. You know, for for most of the celebrities too, one thing that everyone kind of always says is how people are. You know, they're, they're they they stay themselves. I mean, yes, it might be you know Ed Sheeran or it might be Beyonce or it might be Rihanna to us, but they've always you know been able to just keep it as I'm just your brother, your sister, your daughter, your your son. So even how uh, cool. yeah, even how Matt uh, sort of caught himself calling him uh, Ed. He says, "Oh, Edward." Uh, I call him Edward. And to him, it's it's like I call my brother Michael. But if I go to his office where he works or in school used to be, uh, people would would call him Mike. I'm like, like who's Mike? Yeah. I know him by the full name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so that was cool to hear from uh, from Matt. Uh, kind of slipped in there that uh, Ed's working on about 13 new songs. Could be, could be forthcoming album from from Ed Sheeran coming up at some point. Well, yeah, we you don't know. I mean, even though it's been about a, a little close to a year since Divide was out. Um, so I don't know these thirteen songs. They could be the the beginning of subtract, or they could be. I'm just assuming it's going to be called subtract because that's the one that's missing. That's but, true. We should have asked. Uh, I mean, at least I hope we could have got that. But I mean, we also know that in, you know, in the past couple of years, Ed's been such a prolific songwriter for other people. Um, you know, writing for Justin Bieber and writing for um, with the song we heard with the song we sort of quote unquote heard with Camila that never ended up on her album. So. Right. You know, um, not sure where these songs are going or what they're what they're going to be used for, but I mean, it feels like Ed is, of course, in demand. So I'm sure he's got to be writing all the time. All right. Well, Ed's uh, latest "Perfect" is coming up in the top ten in the Hot 100 this week, but uh, we'll talk about uh, what's number one this week. Could it be uh, actually a pretty long term number one hit uh, going forward? So we'll get to that in this week's Hot 100 Top Ten and. Uh, our guest this week, Hit Songs Deconstructed, our friends uh, Yael and Dave Penn are back with uh, lessons about uh, what we learned in 2017 on the Hot 100, uh, kind of predicting where hits could be going for uh, for most of 2018. So uh, we'll get to Dave and Yael coming up, and our flashback this week, Trevor, is what and when? Uh, we'll find out what it is coming up. Um, we're going to look back uh, as for a... Romantic take is Valentine's Day is, is coming up, um, a song that was hitting number one in 1989. Uh, not a romantic ballad, but still something very, uh, very lovey-dovey. All right. Here's this week's top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Lightning, man. 
number 10. Number 9. Number eight. Number seven. Number six. Number five. All my brothers got that gas and they always be smoking like a rock star. Fucking with me, call up on the Number four. And number one. I hold back sometimes I won't. Yeah. I feel good sometimes I don't. Hey. I finesse down Western Road. Hey. Yes. Might go down to G-O-D. Yeah. Hey. For a second week in a row, it is the Six God and God's Plan holding down the number one spot on the Billboard Hot 100. Uh, one thing really interesting to note about the song is as we've seen so often, you know, a lot of these songs, especially the ones that come out of nowhere, have, have massive first weeks. Um, people are buying them, you know, steadily. People are streaming them like crazy. And then that second week, songs start to falter, start to, to start to go back a little bit. Um, obviously, God's plan strong enough to be number one, but not just number one, you know, barely holding on. The song actually is up in streams this week. And if you remember last week, we were talking about just how massive the streaming week was. Uh, talking over 82 million streams for that week, which is one of the top five streaming weeks ever that we've ever recorded here at Billboard. And so for the first week to be that massive and the second week to top that, I mean, you know, is there any end in sight for for Drake? And we know he's a streaming monster, but he's still, still breaking all these records out there. Yeah, right. The uh, top five uh, streaming weeks, uh, two of them belong to Bauer, Harlem Shake. Two of them now belong to God's Plan. The one in the middle is uh, Taylor's Look What You Made Me Do. Yeah, God's Plan pulling about a million more in streams this week. Um, a lot of that coming from YouTube in particular, it looks like. So I'm not sure if people just knew to go to Spotify, Apple Music, you know, the audio sites before. And now the YouTube playlists are catching up. Um, but again, I mean, flocking to YouTube, there is no official video for the song yet. Though some uh, savvy folks down down in Miami may have gotten the first peak of it. Um, there were a lot of Snapchat reports and some Instagrams I saw of Drake filming uh, some sort of video down at Miami Senior High School uh, on Monday. So people thinking that could be part of the plan for the God's Plan video. So uh, Airplay is uh, kicking in too. It uh, debuted at number 30 uh, this week on the Radio Songs chart. It's already uh, gone top 10 at R&B Hip Hop Radio pretty quickly. So uh, starting to uh, put all that together, uh, is it starting to look like this could really be a long-term hit? Maybe sort of how uh, Rockstar Post Malone had eight weeks at number one. It's now had its first 20 weeks on the Hot 100 in the top five. You combine all that, uh, the video coming out, airplay building, you know, streams look like they're not just going to fall off. If you're if you're that high, it's probably going to stay uh, pretty strong numbers going forward. So I'm starting to think, is this, uh, is this really uh, going to be a hit, uh, possibly at number one? into springtime on the Hot 100 and, and to take it even further, do we have our first maybe serious contender for Hot 100 Song of the Year for 2018? The number two song this week in streaming is Bruno Mars and Cardi B's Finesse. 
So pulling about 40 million streams. So Drake is more than double that. So right. even if the streams fall, he's got a long way to fall before anybody's going to catch up with him. Um, and, you know, number one, I mean, it always kind of helps to be out early in the year just so you can accumulate a lot of those points. We know this time of year generally is more sleepy than, you know, to put out something in, in spring or in summer when everyone's trying to get their song out there. And, you know, the last, uh, at least the last three songs of the year, all big hits around the early part of the year. We had Shape of You last year, uh, obviously debuted at number one in one of the first weeks of the year and just really, you know, held sway in the top 10, top 20 for the entire year. Year before that, Justin Bieber's Love Yourself, which was a big hit at radio, in particular driving that song, was, a you know, a number one on the Hot 100 in February. Again, building that momentum before. The year before that, Uptown Funk, also a major hit in the first quarter. So if you want that prize, you know, this is seems to be the time of year where you really stake your claim for it. Drake's a big chart fan. Maybe he was thinking that. It could be. And, you know, that, that's one of those kind of enigma things, too, is you never know what's going on with Drake. Is this just a standalone song that he's put out for, for nothing? I mean, the video is coming. There seems to be a little more oomph behind it. But is this evidence of a new Drake album? No one knows. He talked with Hollywood Reporter a few weeks back. And had said that he was taking a year off of music. People thought he was going to go focus on his film, TV endeavors. And then, you know, just with, what is this, almost two months later, he's not only back in the music game, but back at number one. So you never know what's going on with Drizzy Drake. And uh, a song that maybe uh, starting to feel a little bit of the heat, but Bruno Mars and Cardi B's finesse. But we were thinking uh, easy number one going forward, but maybe at this point uh, could get blocked by God's plan. Yeah, there's, I mean, it's still, you know, I feel like some momentum still is behind Finesse. It moves into the top five on radio uh, for the first time. The streams are actually up to their highest point that they've been so far. Of course, they performed it at the Grammy Awards back on the 28th of January. Um, Huge performance there. Obviously, just one of the many highlights that Bruno Mars had that night. Um, They're going on tour pretty soon. So, you know, maybe that could also help out as well. Uh, But you're right. I mean, it's one of those things, too, where... It feels like a few weeks ago, yeah, it looked like Perfect would come down, Finesse would go up. And as we've seen just more and more often in the past couple of years, all it takes is that sort of one surprise hit out of left field yeah. and that can throw the whole chart out of whack. And you think, too, his last number one, One Dance, uh, was number one for 10 weeks in 2016, and that never had an official video. So you take these numbers so far and then add uh, what we think is the video coming. It's another sign that this really could be a long-term number one hit. All right, the other song uh, in the top 10 this week that's notable, uh, brand new top 10, debut at number nine, Justin Timberlake featuring Chris Stapleton and Say Something. Uh, Of course, Justin Timberlake all over the news this week with his Super Bowl halftime show uh, this past Sunday. Um, A very high point in what I guess otherwise would have been a very very low evening for Gary and uh, all the New England fans out there. It was good until about, uh, about two minutes left. It was good, yeah. Just just those last two, uh, unfortunately. But I know people were really uh, tuning in for JT to see what he was going to do. Interestingly enough, did not do, you know, a lot of material off the new album. Really, only "Filthy," which opened the performance. The rest of it was sort of a greatest hits rundown. Well, when you have that many hits, and and most people uh, figure watching the Super Bowl, they probably don't know "Filthy." They know the hits. But I mean, I guess some people, you know, thinking maybe that's a moment. I mean, you could, you know, publicize any kind of song and. You know, if you want to turn something into a new hit, you know, that's a great audience to debut in front of. Like Lady Gaga last year with A Million Reasons. Yeah, we hadn't seen a lot of that song. I mean, that song comes back out, hits number four on the Hot 100. So, you know, Justin made his choice. But in the meantime, of course, he's got another top 10 debut. Um, Filthy had debuted at number nine a few weeks back. And so say something repeating that feat this week. Interestingly, speaking of Filthy, Filthy had debuted at number nine a few weeks back. And now say something matching that this week. And in the process becomes Justin Timberlake's 19th top 10 hit uh, as a solo artist on the Billboard Hot 100. Uh, and for those, you know, super JT fans out there, he also had six more uh, as a member of Sync. And that 19, though, as a solo artist, interestingly enough, ties the great Prince. And of course, Prince and Justin Timberlake I'm sure three words that were blowing up every search engine, every every Twitter feed, every Facebook post uh, with that tribute in Minneapolis. What did you What did you think about that? I thought it was it was nice. Uh, I I thought it just it, it was so fitting. How could you not How could you not do a tribute to Prince if it's if it's in Minneapolis? I, I think maybe in some ways it's was that the song to do? 
I Would Die For You, just sort of weird since he died a couple of years ago. I mean, was there another song uh, title-wise, maybe? Could have done it. Am I the only one who's thinking that was that was a little weird? I didn't think about that, but there's a, there's a fair point there. I mean, I guess he was playing piano in that moment, so maybe one of the only songs he knew. I mean, I guess a lot of Prince tracks were more drum or guitar-driven, so maybe right. he felt safe as doing that. I know Prince had said... Uh, uh, at some point, I heard, heard a clip uh, on uh, WCBS-FM uh, uh, this week where uh, Prince had said previously he never wanted to be in any type of hologram performance. Uh, he just said that's that's just, he actually said it was, it was demonic. He said, I'm not a demon. So uh, I don't know, is that weird that, that uh, Timberlake did that? It, it must have been known to his team that maybe that wasn't exactly what Prince wanted, even though it came off as, as very cool, very respectful. Not sure. Uh, that's kind of the big question is, because it wasn't a hologram per se, there's kind of a semantic war going on that a projection was not a hologram, and people thought that it wouldn't be involved at all when Sheila E. had talked the night before and said right. she'd spoken to Justin, there would be no hologram, which there was not. When Justin was on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon after the Super Bowl, he noted that Prince's estate did give him the original vocal of the song to use. So in some way, they must have, you know, realized what was going on with it. And also later in that taping, uh, he performed Say Something with Chris Stapleton right there. So if you were sticking around NBC after the Super Bowl, you did get to hear uh, what seems to be the official live premiere of the song. Did people actually keep watching? As, as soon as the game ended, you're saying some people actually kept watching? Well, I well I think what This Is Us came on afterwards, and I know a lot of people were really tuned into that. And then I think, uh, yeah, if you, weren't, if you weren't having your vision clouded by tears... Of Tom and Tom Brady, then uh, yeah, you may have tuned in. Yeah, so uh, Stapleton, uh, I'll talk about him. He, uh, he he didn't jinx the Patriots a lot like Justin Timberlake did. Uh, what a moment he's having! He's uh, a, a huge week for for Chris Stapleton. Gets his first top ten on the Hot 100. He gets his highest peak uh, on the country airplay chart with uh, his own song "Broken Halos." Hits number nine this week. He, he's becoming. This is well, also picked up three Grammys. Let's not forget that. The, you know. oh, that was that was last week. That was, oh, oh, it's old news. Okay. Uh, uh, so uh, this is, I think this is surprising given his sound. It's so, it, it's, it's stripped down. It's, it's organic. You wouldn't necessarily think uh, he, he's a crossover artist like, like say, Sam Hunt with Body Like a Backroad, uh, which is so poppy. Uh, say Something is on the adult contemporary and adult pop songs charts. Uh, he makes his first appearance this week on the mainstream rock songs chart with uh, Midnight Train to Memphis which is you know, driving uh, Southern rock. Is that on the way to Georgia? Is that on the way back to Georgia? Wh- Depends where you are. <laughs> Dial up Gladys. Uh, and the other thing is, uh, we actually mentioned this on the podcast last month. Uh, we had Terry Thomas on, a programmer in Houston, who uh, programs Magic 1021, the adult R&B station. And she said how they're playing a Tennessee whiskey, which is uh, almost three years old at this point. So you put all that together, you think you think of Chris Stapleton as this, uh, as this country artist only, but he's now having success at pop, rock, adult R&B. I think it's Kind of surprising in one sense because because of his sound because uh, it's it, again it, it is so uh, so guitar driven you wouldn't think it it might work at other formats but then on the other side uh, as you said all these Grammys he's winning his his profile's gotten so huge it, maybe it isn't surprising that he's crossing over you know in a way I think this is a, gr- a great moment because I do really enjoy Chris Stapleton but I, I also really appreciate how I think you know it would have been easy to say back a few years ago when we were introduced to Chris through Tennessee Whiskey and that performance that he did with Justin on the uh, Country Music Association Awards that, you know, that that felt like that could have been, that could have been its moment, could have helped out his album, you know, it would have done the things it did, won the Grammys, and that could have, to some people, probably been the end of Chris Stapleton. He got his moment, you know, it was cute, it was fun, we love him, and we're done with him. And to see him, you know, still in the game, still part of it, obviously teaming up with Justin again and, and getting all these this airplay success, I mean, I think that is uh, just really outstanding because especially in this kind of social media moment where people can be, you know, happy for a moment and then you're done and we see a lot of pop stars struggling with with sophomore albums and comebacks and and such, you know, this is a great thing for for a guy who does not fit the mold of a pop star in any kind of real way, you know, not huge on social media, not big numbers out there necessarily in terms of crazy rabid fans, but People who appreciate good music and, and know what's going on, they can flock to Chris. We'll let Gary sulk in the corner over this loss that he's clearly not over yet. Uh, but in the meantime, we're going to turn our attention to uh, our friends at Hit Songs Deconstructed, Yael and Dave Penn, who are back to talk about uh, some of the major trends in music that they discovered in 2017 and help break down uh, where music was in 2017, some of the artists who are influencing it, what kind of sounds they're adapting, and even a look at what kind of sounds we might be able to expect out of 2018. 
mejor sitio para encontrar el amor No, no, no Yo me jugaré todo para que conmigo se dé un shot Nena, ven No llegué solo en busca de ti Ya me imagino lo que va Welcome back to the Traffic Podcast Dave and Yael Penn Welcome back, guys Hey, Gary, Hello. Trevor, great to be back Great to be here feel like uh, this is so this is going to be part uh, one. We're going to have, uh, have you guys on for, for the next two weeks. Yeah. I, I feel like this is sort of uh, uh, what I learned on my winter vacation. This is, <laughs> this is looking back on 2017, right? We're going to learn a lot yes. of stuff. Yep. Yes. All right. So, uh, yeah, take us into uh, into some of the trends that you guys have found. But, but I guess for people who haven't heard you on the podcast before, just uh, explain again what exactly uh, the great work you guys do in analyzing songs really uh, like no one else. Sure. Um, well, uh, at Hit Songs Deconstructed, we uh, track the compositional characteristics for the top 10 of the Billboard Hot 100, um, and we have a searchable database um, that provides all sorts of searches so that you can really manipulate the data and find trends and understand what is driving the Billboard Hot 100 top 10 at the compositional level. Um, and in addition, we have our in-depth reports which uh, dive into the songwriting and production techniques that are being used in some of today's most successful hits. All right, so you guys have uh, specifically, uh, in this case, uh, at the end of the year, you, you do reports all the time, but you, you yeah. wrap this all into one look into what 2017 really sounded like. Yeah, just looking at all these different categories and see really what drove the Hot 100 in terms of uh, hit songwriting characteristics and trends. Um, yeah, and we actually just released our uh, 2017 in review, our uh, trend report. So if anybody's interested in um, digging deeper, uh, you can check it out at www.hitsongsdeconstructed.com. And uh, I feel like you're going to... Uh Going to be a professor pen here during uh, during the session, Kyle. Uh, yeah, well, I thought Lead we'd uh, kick things off with a little pop quiz here. Um, 2017 by the numbers. Okay. You guys up for it? Yeah, let's do it. She's looking at you, Trevor. Gary and Trevor <laughs> on the hot seats. <laughs> any, yeah. any chance to take Gary down, I'll, I'll get. <laughs> All right. All right. So for each item, let me know if you think the number increased or decreased in 2017 when compared to 2016. And just as a baseline, uh, there were 66 songs that charted in the top 10 of the Hot 100 and 12 songs that charted at number one. So let's start off with labels. Did the number of labels in the top 10 increase or decrease in 2017? Mm. Mm -hmm. Compared to 26, I'm trying to think of like what was hot. And well, I, I feel like yeah, I feel like it had to have increased. I'm thinking because there were a lot of viral rap hits that maybe came out of nowhere. I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna be boring. I'm gonna give the same answer. I'm gonna say increased as well. well. You guys are right. Hey, <laughs> it actually went up by 40 percent. Ah. Um, in 2016, there were 10 labels in the top 10, and in 2017, there were 14. Um, and Republic had the most top 10 hits, 16 of them, accounting for 24% of songs. And among them are number one hits, Despacito, Look What You Made Me Do, and Rockstar. All right, let's move on to credited songwriters. More or less? Than in 20, just overall. Always compared to 2016. Okay. Um, more. I'm going to say they increased. Yeah, right? Again, I just think of how many uh, different artists kind of came out of nowhere, so I'm going to say increased as well. And you're both right, again. Got it. <laughs> We're killing, nice, yo, killing this one. Two for two. two and for two. it actually went up by 45%. Um, really? Quite a bit. In 2016, there were 189 credited songwriters, and um, in 2017, there were 253 credited songwriters in the top ten. So the songwriters with the most top 10 hits in 2017 were Quavo with six, Metro Boomin with five, and Louis Bell, Ed Sheeran, and Michael Made It with four. Now, that, if that alone doesn't really tell you sort of what was hot in 2016 versus what was hot in 2017, <laughs> that's, that's a, nothing really will. That's, Max Martin was, if, first of all, 2016 feels like forever ago, but yeah, I guess he went, with Taylor, you had some songs out last year, but a pretty quiet year. Yeah. For 2017, for, for Max and the pop crew. Yeah, just the, the way hip-hop and, and new names in hip-hop took yeah, over pretty quickly absolutely. like that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and we're actually going to get to that soon. Um, so how about songwriting team size? 
Did the number of songs with five or more credited songwriters increase or decrease in 2017? I mean, I, I hate to go three in a row, but I guess it, it has to increase, right? Yeah, it, it, this is so inside, but I'm thinking how every week when we uh, do the pages of, of the magazine, we have to squeeze all these writing credits. There's just so many <laughs> yeah, of them. So yeah. I'm going to say yes as well. Yeah, well, you're yeah. right. It went up. <laughs> um, it went up by 14%. So in 2016, 42% of songs in the top 10 had five or more credited writers. And in 2017, it went up to 56%. Wow, I guess that makes sense, too, based off the Grammy podcast when Paul was noting this, there are two songs that were up for Song of the Year that would have set a new record for most songwriters on mm. one song to win the Song of the Year Grammy. So right. that makes sense. Yep. So I have one more question for you guys. Uh my last question is, did the number of songs with featured artists increase or decrease in 2017? I feel like, I mean, I don't even know how it could not go up. I'd have to agree. You guys are absolutely right. Um, it, it, this is a trend that's actually been happening for uh, quite some time now. Um, when you look at the past three years, the number of songs with a featured artist went from 24% in 2015 to 35% in 2016, and then up to 42% in 2017. So over the past three years, the percentage of songs with a featured artist essentially doubled. Um, the featured artists with the most top 10 hits. Oh, I, know. I know this. Who? <laughs> It's Quavo. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. Do you know what the four songs were? <clears throat> okay. Okay. So Quavo's features were um, uh, Portland. Yep. Is one of them. He was on Congratulations. Yep. He was on I'm the One. Yep. And he was on the Liam Payne Strip That Down. Yep. Maybe. You're right. You got them all. Oh, I was like, I'm I was like, I'm not done. I'm not Nice, man. So now we'll turn things over to Dave, who is going to get into some compositional trends. Cool. So let's start with primary genre. So primary genre represents the genre that songs are most closely associated with. So there were seven primary genres in the top 10 of the Hot 100 in 2017. Hip-hop rap, pop, R&B soul, dance club electronic, rock, Latin, and country. The big gainer by far, no surprise here, increasing in prominence from just 13% of songs in 2015 up to 33% of songs in 2017 was hip-hop. Beat out pop is the most popular primary genre for the first time in 2017. Now on the flip side, pop has steadily been decreasing in prominence over the past few years, from half of all songs in 2015 down to just 30% in 2017. Now, what's interesting is that when you look exclusively at 2017, a role reversal took place between hip-hop and pop as the year progressed. So hip-hop dominated the top 10 during the first half of the year and peaked at 40% of songs in Q2, which was its highest level of prominence in years. Now, on the flip side, in Q2, pop had dropped to its lowest level of prominence in years, accounting for only 16% of songs. Now, in the second half of the year, this reversed. By Q4, hip-hop decreased to 32% of songs, while pop more than doubled to 36% and beat out hip-hop for the first time since Q1. As for the other genres, R&B Soul was the third most popular in 2017 at 17% of songs, Dance Club Electronic followed at 9%, and Rock at just 6%, so not really that much of a factor in the top 10. Now, there are also two new genre arrivals in the top 10 for the first time in years, and that's country and Latin. So country made its first appearance since Cruise way back in 2013, thanks to Sam Hunt's crossover hit Body Like a Backroad, and Latin entered the first time in a really long time, thanks to Desposito and Mijente. And this was due in part to their high-profile pop and R&B featured artists, Justin Bieber and Beyonce. Interesting. So you said, uh, one thing I'm picking up on, you said pop uh, had decreased so much, but by later in the year, it had gone back it up. It gone back up, yeah. So Taylor Swift so, comes out. Yeah, role reversal between the two. But for the most part, before that, right. it was pop on a downward trend, hip-hop basically mirroring each other. If you were to just look at the 
songs that entered the top 10 in Q4. I think 50% of them were pop, where um, I think only like 30... Are you talking about the new songs that just yeah, entered the for the first time? It was something entered, like that. Yeah, yeah, it was a big so percentage compared to hip-hop, which was way down. To yeah. like, Interesting, yeah. So a combination, too, of pop <clears throat> uh, on the decrease is that uh, other genres... It wasn't all just hip-hop, country... Uh, Latin, even a rocket like Portugal the band. And all these songs. Yeah, together they yeah. were. One song. It all plays a factor. But the main thing was that hip-hop and pop have really been mirroring each other. So pop has been going down, hip-hop right. has been going up, and then just towards the end of 2017, role reversal. Okay. So it'll be really interesting to see how it continues in 2018. Yeah. Um, the other thing I want to get into is influences. So all the different influences that shape the sound and vibe of top 10 hits in 2017. So they include genre influences, time period influences, and geographic influences. And all these influences are put into effect by compositional characteristics, such as vocals, instruments, harmony, and rhythm. So in 2017, there were 24 influences across 66 songs. 18 are genre influences, of which hip-hop, trap, R&B, Dance Club and Electropop were the top five. Four time period influences, which include the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. And two geographic influences, Tropical, which includes reggae, reggaeton, and dancehall. And the other being the closely related Latin. So let's start with hip-hop, since it was such a big factor in 2017. Now, while its popularity as a primary genre decreased during the second half of 2017, as I mentioned it still remained very strong as an influence, both within and outside of the hip-hop rap primary genre. So, for example, during the second half of the year, over three-quarters of top ten hits featured a hip-hop influence. And one of the main non-hip-hop genres that really embraced the influence was pop. As an influence, hip-hop's prominence in the pop genre increased from 22% of songs in 2015 up to 29% in 2016, and then skyrocketed to 60% of songs in 2017, so it doubled. But its influence wasn't just limited to pop. All of the primary genres, with the exception of being Dance Club Electronic, featured songs that possess a hip-hop influence. So an example in the country genre, Body Like a Back Road, and we'll take a listen to that in a little bit. Uh, in the rock genre, we have Believer. But they never did, ever lived, ever been flowing, inhibited, lived till it broke up when it rained down. It rained down like. So, because of the pre chorus in that song, you listen to that vocal quality, definitely a hip hop influence. RB Soul, 24K Magic. Obviously, the 90s R&B influence is there, but I mean, the, the underbeat for that is like, that sounds like a 70s, 80s hip-hop song. Absolutely, like, like yeah. 100%. Combining old school hip-hop, funk, yeah, the whole thing. Uh, pop, Don't Wanna Know. Oh, 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 I'm loving you so, 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 so. The way I used to love you, oh, don't wanna know. No more please stop, no more hashtag booed up screenshots No more trying to make me jealous on your birthday You know just how I make you better on your birthday Oh, do we do you like this? Do we, do you like this? So a great example of a featured artist bringing a hip-hop influence to a pop song And finally, Mi Gente, Latin Esquino, esquino, y ahí nos vamos El mundo es grande, pero lo tengo en mis manos so hip-hop was really making the rounds across genres in 2017. Now, one of the hottest influence trends from 2016 that carried over into 2017 was Tropical, which, as I mentioned before, includes dancehall and reggaeton. It rose from nothing in Q1 2015, up to 35% of songs by the end of 2016. And though it didn't peak at the same degree in 2017, remainingly mostly in the uh, low to mid 20% range, there were still some diverse, high-profile hits that featured the influence. One being... I'm in love with your body. I'm 
in love with your body. So Ed Sheeran's Make a Hit Shape of You. And then we also have French Montana, Unforgettable. Different vibe, but the influence is still there. Here's another one, DJ Snakes, Let Me Love You. Sean Mendez getting in on it with There's Nothing Holding Me Back. Baby, there's nothing holding me back. There's nothing holding me back. There's nothing holding me back. So bringing more of a rock influence to that one. And the last but not least is... Despacito Quiero respirar tu cuello despacito Deja que te diga cosas al oído Para que te acuerdes si no estás conmigo yeah, the really frames it. Uh, I think a lot of people think Despacito just came out of nowhere. But when you put it in that light, that all these other songs had that influence, it becomes a little less surprising. Mm -hmm. I think it became. Yeah, exactly. Now, that last one, perfect case in point, Despacito also brought with it the closely related Latin influence to the top 10 for the first time in many years, as I mentioned before. So it essentially sparked the Latin trend in the second quarter of the year, which was then followed by Wild Thoughts in Q3. And then Mi Gente and Havana joining the party in Q4. And all these were top five hits in 2017. Desposito, I think, was the only one at number one in 2017. Um, so even though Latin is an influence, it was just 14% of songs by the end of the year. It's going to be really interesting to see where it goes in 2018, if it's really going to take off. And Havana uh, just recently hit number one in the Hot 100. So... Let's see if that's indicative of where it's all gone. Yeah, and we've seen uh, the top five on Hot Latin Songs uh, had English language mm -hmm. artists. So we've seen a Beyonce and uh, Cardi yep. B in the top five. So uh, both ways, there are English language artists on these Latin hits, Latin songs crossing over. It's uh, blurred lines. It's brewing. Uh, I got one question sort yeah. of about the timing of it all, just because it seems like if if we can kind of assume, and if I'm wrong, let me know, that the, yeah. tro the tropical wave is kind of subsiding mm -hmm. yeah. to, the, to the Latin wave. You know, is, is that time period maybe the last uh, year, maybe year and a half, 18 months of a trend? Is that pretty indicative, you think, of like a more of a fad a kind of like influence runs? like that? Yeah. yeah, I mean, typically what we've seen is, um, you know, like if you take the uh, the big 80s influence back in, off the top of my, it was like in 2014 or 2015 where it just skyrocketed. Like everyone had these 80s influences and in songs. Um but you see it just skyrocket up until like the 30s and the 40% of all songs. But as soon as it peaks in a quarter, it's right back down. So now Tropical, you know, with the reggaeton and the dance hall, stayed longer than any other kind of fad trend that we've seen before. But it is certainly decreasing. So by the end of Q4, I think it was down to 14% of songs. Now that influence is always going to decrease more in the winter months. Yeah. Because dance is less of a factor when it gets colder outside. Right. Um, but as soon as that started going down, you saw Latin kind of creeping up. So this can be the natural progression going from the more, you know, reggaeton and dance hall and then a very similar thing, but bringing more of the Latin influence into it. And that could be the natural progression that embodies both. So it'll be really interesting to see where it goes, yeah. So if you want to hit in 2018, maybe go for the Latin <laughs> angle more than the trap angle. There, uh, there it is. <laughs> Still get that beat in there, but, you know, maybe some Spanish lyrics or whatever, or, you know, just get into that Latin vibe. And <laughs> we will see. It'll be very interesting. Um, so on the other end of the spectrum of, you know, uh, jumping on fads, for example, there were some atypical influences in the top 10 that really helped us, uh, songs to stand out amongst their mainstream contemporaries and get noticed. So a couple of the most notable were Classical, which was featuring just 3% of songs, one of them being, oh, we might as well go for trivia here. Why, <laughs> why not? We're, we're doing this. Um, saw the looks on our faces. What was the one, well, one of two songs, actually, that featured a pronounced... Um, uh, Classical influence in the intro. 
amongst other sections, but it was most pronounced in the intro. Classical intro. Like, classical. So think strings okay. and classical. It was I'm a number gonna... one hit, right? No. No? Oh, well, that makes it that much harder. I'm gonna, <laughs> okay, I, I'm going to take a guess. Let me know if this is on the right track. Yeah. I know a lot of people were really emphasizing the flute in Future's Mask Off. If that doesn't okay, that not is quite really okay. classical, but that's okay, a great. Not, okay. But Trevor, that's a great atypical quality. So that's good. I like. That. Okay, so, uh, extra, so extra credit. So you, you, extra you credit. get partial credit. For that. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, then strings. Um, let's do. If you steal from somebody, you're a. The starts with a B. Bad. And if you wash your hands, you're all. I. <laughs> of creation. Ha. Clean burglar. It was a clean burglar. Oh, duh. Clean burglar. The alter ego of it. Right, so right, clean right. bad it, with Sean Paul and Anne Marie. Yeah, exactly. And the other is fantasy. And that played a role in just one hit. A number one hit. Think the intro and think the bridge. Which fantasy? It's not humble. Just like a fantasy, I think orchestral kind of fantasy kind of vibe. So it had that dark fantasy kind of vibe. Is that a classification you guys have? Hmm? That is our new classification. Absolutely. Listen. Taylor Swift brought that to the table and uh, got to classify it. She's so a legend. That, so, I mean, think about it. Your lead single for Reputation, and that's how you're kicking the song off with this right. whole like dark fantasy kind of thing, and then it comes back into the bridge being recycled. Really clever. Yeah. Really clever. So, And it just really embodied the whole vibe of the song, which is cool. Um, so now influences also help certain artists to get traction outside of the main genre that they're associated with and cross into others. So two of the most notable are Imagine Dragons, which is first and foremost a rock band that crossed over into the pop charts. Their hit Believer landed at number four in the Hot 100, number three in the mainstream Top 40, and hit number one on the Hot Rock Songs and Adult Top 40 charts. And then there's the more overtly pop of the two, which is Thunder, which landed number four in the Hot 100 and peaked at number one on the Hot Rock Songs, mainstream Top 40, Alternative songs and adult top forty charts. Just a young gun with a quick fuse. I was uptight, wanna let loose. I was dreaming of bigger things and wanna leave my old life behind. Not a yes sir, not a follower. Fit the box, fit the mode. Reminds me of Royals. I could see that. Yeah. You know, remind me a little bit. You know, of that kind of snap, sparse snap kind of uh, kind of vibe, right. but very poppy. And that really led to a lot of success for them. Um, another one, of course, was Sam Hunt, country artist that crossed over uh, to the pop charts thanks to Body Like a Backroad, which fused country, pop, R&B, hip-hop, and trap influences. So while other country hits utilized these influences, Sam Hunt really took it to the next level and capitalized on it. There ain't no curves like her on them downtown streets. Body like a backroad, driving with interesting things going on with genres and influences in the top 10 in 2017. So the next trend that we're going to get into is tempo. So the top 10 has basically been slowing down over the past several years. The average tempo decreased from 102 beats per minute in 2014 down to 89 beats per minute in 2017. And this wasn't just because of more hip-hop songs entering the top 10. It was evident in the pop and dance club genres as well. So songs that were on the slower end of the spectrum, those landing at 79 beats per minute or less, have been increasing in prominence over the past few years, from 15% of songs in 2014 up to 22% in 2015 to 29% in 2016 and then up to 37% in 2017. 
So in addition to the hip-hop songs that fell into the slower range, there were also non-hip-hop songs as well, such as Perfect, That's What I Like, Sign of the Times, and Sorry Not Sorry. Now on the flip side, up-tempo songs, those landing at 110 beats per minute or faster, decreased in prominence over the past few years, from 41% of songs in 2014 down to 15% in 2017. Some of them were There's Nothing Hold Me Back, Feel It Still, Castle on the Hill, and Malibu. As for mid-tempo songs, those landing between 80 and 109, they remained pretty much steady at about half of all songs during the past three years. Among them were number one hits such as Desposito, I'm the One, Rockstar, and Shape of You. And now in 2018, we also have Havana. So the next trend that we're going to take a look at is how long it takes for songs to get to the first chorus and seal the deal with the listener. Because, you know, that's what the listeners are really waiting to hear and sink their teeth into. So the average amount of time that it took for a top 10 hit to get to the first chorus in 2017 was 41 seconds. And the average has only fluctuated by a few seconds during the past few years. Now, looking at it quarter over quarter in 2017, the average amount of time decreased from 50 seconds in Q2 down to 35 seconds in Q4. And the impact on the average is due to the increase in prominence of the genre that got to the chorus earlier than all the others. The average amount of time that it took for songs in the pop genre to get to the first chorus in 2017 was 39 seconds. In the hip-hop genre, however, it was 30 seconds, nine seconds early. So while it might not seem like a lot of time, in a mainstream hit, every second counts. Now, looking at these two genres quarter over quarter throughout the year, the disparity becomes even more pronounced. In the pop genre, the average amount of time that it took to get to the first chorus actually increased from 34 seconds in Q1 up to 42 seconds in Q4. And this is due in part to the entry of two songs during the second half of the year that have their first chorus hitting right around the one minute mark, which is pretty far into the song. Perfect, Ed Sheeran featuring Beyonce, and Look What You Made Me Do, Taylor Swift. And these were the only pop songs in 2017 that have their chorus hitting this far in. However, as we all know, this really didn't impact their chances of rising to the top. Now with hip hop, the opposite is the case. The average amount of time that it took to get to the first chorus decreased throughout 2017 from 34 seconds in Q1 down to just 17 seconds in Q4. So that's 25 seconds earlier than pop. And this was due in part to the arrival of songs in the second half of the year, such as Motorsport, No Limit, and the number ones Bodak Yellow and Rockstar, all of which have their first chorus hitting at 15 seconds or earlier. Now, one of the main reasons why hip-hop songs got to the chorus faster than pop songs is due to the way they're structured. So while the vast majority of songs in both genres begin with an intro, which was the case in 95% of hip-hop songs and 85% of pop songs, the majority of hip-hop songs, so 73%, immediately followed with a chorus as opposed to a verse. This is only the case with 15% of pop songs, which include Don't Wanna Know, Havana, and Side to Side. And can you guess what influence these songs all have in common? Give you a hint. Kendrick Lamar, Young Thug, and Nicki Minaj are all the featured artists. Hip-hop. You got it. Yay. And by the end of the year, the average, uh, well, the percentage of hip-hop songs that have their chorus preceding the first verse rose to 86% of songs, while only one song in the pop genre, Havana, broke the nil streak that defined Q2 and Q3. Now, as for the rationale as to why hip-hop songs get to the chorus faster than pop songs, take this into account. The average length of a hip-hop intro in 2017 was almost twice the length of a pop intro, 17 seconds versus 9 seconds. And the average length of a hip-hop first verse was almost twice the length of a pop first verse, 44 seconds versus 23 seconds. So think about it this way. If the first chorus in the hip-hop genre came after the verse, the listener would have to wait on average over one minute to hear it, which is a long period of time before sealing the deal with the listener by mainstream standards. 
So that's a key reason why hip-hop songs hit the listener with a chorus earlier. It gives them the main hook up front and whets their appetite for its return later in the song. So this was a really interesting finding. Most people assume it's pop, and it's not the case. It's hip-hop. Because a lot of hip-hop songs have a pop chorus, so you want to, as you just kind of said, Dave, you want to burn that in first with a pop audience, whereas a pop song is... is is pop throughout, so you kind of don't have to hit the chorus. Throughout. And even when it's not that much of a pop chorus either, it's just getting to that main hook earlier. So kind of like, you know, gets that most memorable section ingrained in their head, and they're like, I can't wait till that comes back. And then you could go into a verse, which might have like a looser kind of feel and right. go like, um, you know, more, you know, rhythmically diverse rap or whatever. And then you come back to that, you know, solid hook again to reinforce that melody. So giving it to them up front, Wet their appetite, then they could settle into the verse, and they'd know it's coming back. So it's really interesting. Yeah. So that is the end of our trend presentation for this week. Part one. Part one. Yes, Part one. It's time for the, mid, the midterm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so we we both did well enough to uh, to be in class next time. <laughs> yeah. You, you passed. Back. You passed. Invited back. All right. <laughs> Spring semester. We're we're re enrolled. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, this Dave, is great. Yeah. Yeah. Dave and Yael, as as always, uh, learning so many things. <laughs> I, I always feel like it's it's stuff you didn't realize you, you sort of knew or you were thinking about, but then you spell it out. I sort of yeah. thought that in my yeah, head. Yeah, you have some like loose connections kind of there, and you're right. like, but yeah, I mean, this puts it together like in a great way. Yeah. Cool. All Our right. pleasure. We'll have you back next week. All right. Sounds Thank good. You. Thanks, guys. Bye. This is how we do it down in Puerto Rico. This is how we do it all the time. Down in Vegas. In Miami. Down in Paris. In Manhattan. Down in LA. This is how we do it. With the bloom down. In the Cadillac. In the backseat. Underneath the rising sun. All right, and to wrap us up, we're going to take a trip back to 1990. That's 1990. Talking about a the number one hit of this week. In honor of Valentine's Day, it is a lovely tune by Paula Abdul and the Wild Pair called Opposites the Track. I'll take two steps back. We come together because I... Paul Abdul hitting number one uh, with this duet back in 1990 was the fourth number one song off that debut album, Forever Your Girl. Uh, Paula fans will know that the first three were the song Straight Up, which actually was a number one hit virtually exactly one year before. Right. Uh, the song Cold Hearted, the title track, and Opposites Attract. So in the span of just about a year, Paula Abdul racking up four number ones off her first album. And at the time, only three other artists had had four number one hits on the Hot 100 off of one album. Gary, can you name them? It's a, see, the, the quiz was over. So up until Paula Abdul, like Paula would be the fourth artist to do this, who were the first three acts to have four number ones off of one album? So Michael Jackson, 87, 88 with Bad. Yeah. Uh, same time, uh, George Michael, Faith. Yeah. I'll say at the time, Paula was the fourth. There was a person who will become the fifth who was in the middle of her cycle. I was going to say uh, Janet Jackson with Rhythm Nation. Right? Yeah, Janet was in the middle of it. Okay. But Paula beat her to the to the punch. So there's one other. There there's was one other. Before that. You got Michael. You got George. They're all really 87, 88. Fun enough. Your girl, Whitney Houston. Ah, so I, I'm so mad you forgot that. Yes, so uh, Michael, George, and Whitney, all between 87, 88, racking up four number ones, at least four number ones. We have to give Michael his due for his fifth which is uh, still one of the most outstanding achievements in his catalog. And coming up later, Janet Jackson, who's in the middle of her cycle when Paula gets her fourth number one, joins the club. After that, we'll see Mariah Carey join right. the club. Um, and down the line, a few others will also add up. 
we've uh, we've talked about this how uh, it's not really a coincidence that that all kind of happened at the same time in 87 88 how uh, uh, with Michael Jackson with bad we, we've said on the podcast how uh, there was uh, there was a real drive by him and by uh, epic records how can we top thriller what, what can we do with bad that, that he didn't do a th- thriller and it was well let's can we get four? Can we have five number ones? And then it, it sort of became, uh, you know, we, we see this a lot in, in music. When an artist does something, a trend takes off, and it, it sort of became the goal with different labels. Well, if Michael's uh, done that, let's let's see if George can do that and, at Columbia. So uh, a lot of uh, albums at that point went uh, five, six, seven singles deep, and it just sort of became uh, a competition to see who who could do it. But uh, it's kind of a fun time when uh, you look back at some of these albums. They're, they're just classic albums with so many songs that they'll become standards. Well, that's one thing that makes, I think, Paula stand out so much more is that people knew Michael, people knew it, had known Whitney, people knew George Michael from Wham. Right. But this is Paula Abdul's first album. I mean, to, to do that feat out of, you know, almost no no nationwide recognition is a huge feat. Now, for the industry, Paula Abdul actually was, was a name at the time. Um, people may not know that she actually choreographed Janet Jackson's Nasty video won an MTV award there, and her choreography skills come in really handy with the Opposites Attract video. Uh, if you have not seen this video, it's probably one of the most famous music videos out there. It's Paula and a cartoon character known as MC Scat Cat, who takes on uh, the wild pair of vocals. And he and Paula, you know, just doing some cartoon kind of Who Framed Roger Rabbit goofy things. But, you know, they have a nice choreographed number that Paula actually did choreographed, you know, the entire dance for the cat and herself. Yeah, you weren't you weren't born yet uh, in in 1990, but there's no social media, there's no internet, but th- that was a huge deal. There was a lot of uh, pop culture buzz. Uh, it was very high tech uh, computer uh, animation at that point to be doing something like that for yeah. her to be uh, playing off off the animated uh, cat like that. It was it was pretty revolutionary. Yeah, so I mean, if you have not seen the video, again, be sure to check it out. It's all over YouTube. Um, certainly the most famous of Paula's videos, and also a Grammy winning clip for her wins the award for the best short form music video and in my opinion because of course you know the grammys care about my opinion still holds up after all these years and definitely the right pick so for all the uh, feuding couples out there uh i guess you can throw gary and myself in that category you know we do prove that opposites attract yeah and with uh, Paula Abdul and Opposite Distract heading out into Valentine's Day, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Chart Beat Podcast. Uh, be sure to tune in next week. We're going to have Yael and Dave back for part two of our interview with Hit Songs Deconstructed, uh, breaking down and analyzing the top music trends of 2017 and a peek forward into some things that 2018 might bring for us. Uh, of course, we'll be keeping an eye at the top of the charts to see how Drake if he can hold on for a third week at number one with God's plan, or if, you know, finesse is still moving up the chart, perfect still lodged at that number two spot, if uh, one of those songs might have a say. We could have a uh, interesting uh, debut next week. We're still uh, running the numbers, but uh, Kendrick and uh, The Weeknd have a new song out, Pray For Me, that uh, it's had a uh, it's been uh, high on iTunes all week or uh, looking at the streaming numbers, but that could be a notable uh, debut, and it just sound-wise sounds like a hit. And on another Kendrick note, as we get closer to Black Panther Friday coming out on the 16th, uh, he and SZA dropped the music video for All the Stars. Um, Some good reception about that as well. A midweek release, but we could see how that might fare as well. And of course, with the soundtrack and the movie coming forward, huge expectation around that. Kendrick, obviously, one of the biggest stars out there. So we'll see if one of those tunes can also make a big move. From uh, MC Scat Cat to Black Panther. Gary's a cat person, so I... uh, uh, yeah, t- maybe 2018. It's not the year of the cat, yeah. technically, according to the Chinese uh, New Year, but on the charts, it just might be. Janet Jackson's Black Cat was one of the number ones uh, from uh, Rhythm Nation. All right, Gary, for our final number this week, uh, what song are we going to leave the listeners with? How about we tie it all together? Uh, so Michael Jackson's Bad had five Hot 100 number ones. Only album ever to do that until an artist whose fans are called what, Trevor? <laughs> The uh, the Katie Cats, yeah. Katy Perry in 2010-11. Teenage Dream. Uh, let's go back, uh, what, the early uh, 2010s, uh, 2011. Uh, it had been number one. It was on its way down. But uh, E.T. was coming next. So uh, Katy Perry's in between number ones. But go back to Firework. You want to go to Firework? Good Valentine's Day song, right? Yeah, well, hopefully everyone out there has a, uh, a Firework in their heart next week. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.